Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stay Strong in America podcast. I am your host, Tyron Brown, here for another episode of our Mindful Mondays. So, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. If you happen to be driving, keep your eyes on the road, but your ears wide open. And if you happen to be in a stationary place like a coffee shop, a friend's house, even your own home, feel free to take out a notepad and jot down some notes, because today's episode is definitely going to be one for the books. So stay tuned. So our episode today for our Mindful Mondays is called Hard Work Always Pays Off. Now, when you first hear that statement, it can rub many of you the wrong way because you may feel like the exact opposite. And that's completely understandable. Many of us are underpaid for our jobs, or at least feel that way, and therefore cannot afford the lifestyle we desire. Some of us even went to college for four to six years and took on student loan debt in the tens of thousands with the belief that it would yield us a job that increased our lifestyle and at a minimum allowed us to pay off our student debt comfortably. And boy, were many of us wrong about that decision. Some may work hard on their marriage through counseling and yet find themselves divorced a year later. Some of us work hard with our child struggling with their behavior, and yet that child still ends up incarcerated. Some of us will work hard in the gym and see little progression in our weight loss journey. The whole point that I'm trying to highlight here is that hard work does not always give us the result we intended. But does that necessarily mean that we did not get a result whatsoever? You see, despite the outcomes we get on the surface after hard work, we must understand that something of significance still occurred that impacted us in a way that is likely beneficial. Just because you did not get the promotion you wanted does not mean you did not learn the skills you need to leave your company and get paid significantly higher elsewhere. All right. And that's why in this episode today, I will be providing insight into how we can change our perspective on hard work and other efforts we make in our life experiences to understand that nothing that requires hard work is done in vain. We can find purpose and benefits to all hard work that we put out into the world. So the first thing that requires hard work that I like to discuss is family, all right? The hard work that comes with family is something that we're born into. It is not our choice. But let me tell you something that you learn from that. You learn through family hard work that making things work because you have no other choice can help you a lot of times in life, all right? When your back is against the wall, you just gotta make your work. And that's what happens when you're born into a family. Like I said, you don't have a choice with that, so you just have to deal with that situation head on. And so the first thing you have to deal with is your parents. All right. And that's if your parents are around. I know some of us are born into situations in which we may be adopted by someone else who takes on that parent role or our biological parents are absent or they may be on drugs, something of that nature. But the whole point is your parents, a guardian, someone overlooking you and who's an authority figure. That's one of the first things we encounter. And what do you learn from that? Right. When you're dealing with parents, whether you like them or not, you learn how to engage with authority and also learn what type of leader you want to be. You see, some of us had parents that probably didn't do right by us. And so we're like, you know what? I never want to be like that person ever in my life. You know, you may have had a parent that was absent and not just and not physically, but at least emotionally. You know, they were there. You know, they did things for you, asked for service, but you didn't have quality time with them. You didn't have engaging conversations. You couldn't tell them how you really felt or what was going on in school that was bothering you. There was no relationship really formed with them where there was that special bond where you felt really connected to that person. They were strictly authority figure, you know. Um, But like I said, 
that you learn how to engage with authority figures that way. So some of you have parents that may have been neglectful, you know, they didn't even provide access service to you. They just were very hands off. And so you feel like you do anything and you didn't understand the concept of consequences. But what I'm saying here, though, is that the hard work that you put in terms of trying to at least have a relationship with your parents, even if it's not the best relationship, you're going to learn from that. Because a lot of people don't know how to engage with others who they can't really get along with, you know, and and they also don't know what it is to listen to somebody else, especially when it's hard. They don't know how to follow a schedule. They don't know how to follow the rules. But you learn that when you learn how to put that work in with your parent and whatever your parent says are the rules of the house. You may not think you're working hard, but it's a lot of hard work to have somebody tell you what to do every most every second of the day or most times of the day. All right. So. And just to add to that, like I said, you learn what type of leader you want to be. You work hard to understand your parents, to understand what you probably don't want to be or what you do want to be. So take the good out of that that situation. You may have learned that your parent is very conscientious, otherwise known as responsible. And you're like, you know what? I learned that my father very responsible or at least always on time. I'm going to learn to do that. You might learn that, you know, your parent is very, um, that always defends you. I learned that, like, from my mom. She was very defensive of her children. That, but that's because she raised them right, you know? So you're working hard to try to understand your parent. I learned that about her through the hard work of understanding who she was over time, you know? And, and that's a skill, a skill or rather a quality that, you, that I took, took from my mom that I will apply when I have my own family, protect them at all costs. The next thing is your siblings, all right? Now, some of you are only ch- are only child, so... Forgive me for this, but you can learn something from that too. Being an only child, let me speak on that first. You may just learn what it is to cope by yourself. And that's not easy. And honestly, I don't recommend that. I'd rather you have a sibling or a cousin because you want to learn how to interact with people. But if you learn how to take care of yourself, sometimes people who are like only child or feel like they were raised as only children, they feel very, you know, they may be a little bit closed off. They may not feel the need to socialize. They may be very introvert just naturally because they know what it is to just engage themselves or just be the only child around. And so you learn you learn how to cope with situations on your own. And that, that's a skill set that some of us who had siblings like myself may not have learned until a lot later. And so you may be more advanced in that area, you know. Um, and at the same time, you may have learned that like, hey, this is not what I necessarily want, you know. And so... When you go out to school and stuff like that, you learn how to engage with people all over again. All right. And so now I want to speak to the people that do have siblings. All right. Or somebody who they felt was uh, like a sibling who they were like a close friend that probably came over a lot. You learn how to engage with your peers. All right. Especially the peers that are close in age. So if you have siblings, you know, I know it could be many years apart, but a lot of siblings are, you know, a few years, years apart, if not one year apart. And so I grew up in a household with five other siblings, a younger sister, a younger brother, and as well as an older set of twins, which is brother and sister, and then the older sister. And I learned what it is to have a peer group and to interact with them. We were all close in age. So you kind of learn what it is. You might get on somebody's nerves and they might be annoyed with you and you know what it is to back off of them. You know what it is to get out their way. You know, you learn their routine. You, but you also have somebody you could play with. I used to play wrestling with my siblings in the house all the time, with my brothers particularly. Um, and then sometimes, and you know, the guys, we just commingle with each other and the girls, they did their own thing. But we also played together as a family. We would play in like um, 
just do fun stuff, you know, um, play manhunt with each other, the girls and guys alike. It, it, it was fun. And so when you go to school, me making friends, I remember one of the first friends I met, you know, you know, his family dynamic, he doesn't have as much siblings as I do. He's basically like an only child. But maybe that was a thing in which I connected to that person because I just was so used to having siblings. I was just already so social. So I was just all if you notice that all these introvert people, they meet extrovert friends because extrovert friends are like, hi, hi, hi. And they just like closed off, but they're open to it because, you know, they're getting attention that probably they didn't have at home because they didn't have any siblings. So it all works out. But the whole point is that it's not always easy dealing with siblings, too. You learn what it is when when they're in a good mood and also when they're in a bad mood. And so you understand how to socialize with peers in life. And it's a lot of hard work where you have to fight for the shower, things of that nature. You learn about negotiations pretty early. So having siblings is work. It's a lot of emotions, a lot of personalities. And that's why some of you may know how to multitask well or lead a conference with a lot of people or set up a party because you know what it is to negotiate amongst your siblings. So don't underestimate that hard work. And then there's children. All right. When you have children... And I don't have children myself, but I work with them. And that's the point I want to make, right? But having children, with that, you learn how to be patient and vulnerable. Patient, particularly. Let me, patient as you know what, all right? Because children, they need patience. You can't rush everything with children. You can't tell them to cross the street. You got to teach them how to cross the street, all right? And everybody has a little inner child in them where they don't know something or they're afraid of something. And you have to be vulnerable with them as well. Let them know that there's a child element to you as well. You got to get down on their level instead of trying to always have them come up to yours. You know, so children could be hard work. But like I said, they teach you the important elements of life that we forget over time. You know, they teach us forgiveness when you get someone upset. You ever see children get upset with each other? They almost forget, forget, forgive each other like the next second and they're playing again. People might deem that bipolar if they were to look at that. And that's with all due respect to those with that condition. But it's just children, you just, you don't hold grudges probably to the extent that like an adult would, you know, and, and there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful side to that. And so it's hard work, but they teach you, right? Like a friend once told me, sometimes we're not just here to teach children. Sometimes children are here to teach us. They're here to teach us how to be patient and vulnerable again, open up our hearts and let them know that we got hurt. We got a boo-boo before, too, when we fell off the pay- playground. You know, that we had heartbreaks before, assuming you're dealing with a teenage child. You know, but they also teach you how to be stern and responsible with someone else's life in your hands. They teach us, uh, they remind us of that careness we need to have for the world. Some of us forget that we're so brutal and cutthroat with each other. Perhaps because of the jobs in which we work at can be that way or other environments in which we're in. And through some of our life experiences, but children will remind you, you are responsible for another life. All right. That you have responsibility in this world and you have to be stern at times. You know, you can't just let children run wild and loose. You have to provide them guidance. You know, and as a matter of fact, I noticed that people who have children or work with children, they have another level of grace to them as well. That others who uh, others don't, you know, like. I noticed that even, you know, sometimes amongst coworkers, like, they just like a little bit like, you don't understand this, but they're like, oh, I, have, I have a child, so they don't get this either. They're just a little bit more graceful, 
a little bit understanding. They're a little bit more patient and want to teach you things. All right. So it may be frustrating in the moment, but I'm telling you, they teach you another part of life that you're unaware of. And I don't have children myself, but I know that they will change me forever because just working with children. I feel like I had much more purpose than I ever did in my life. All right. And then finally, there's extended family. Now, extended family can get very complicated. All right. Especially if you have family that's abroad. And in the case, I do have family that's abroad in Jamaica. Um, Some of you may have family in the the continent of Africa, whether that be in West Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, etc. Or East Africa. Or you might have them in Europe, even just Canada right there. South America, Central America, you know, um, Ukraine. But that's just to give a few examples. Or India. That's just give some examples of like, um, you know... You have extended family that could be local. They could be right around the corner from your house or they could be extended. They could be in China, you know, um, they could be in Taiwan. But the whole point is you learn how to deal with a family outside your family. And it's not always easy. Sometimes you may have an extended family member that may want to like live with you for a little bit. And then you have to teach them the rules again. And you also learn to trust somebody else. Even though there's a base level of trust there because they're still family, there's a next level of trust you have to give them grace with as well too you know and and it's not always easy work because you're not even addressing them to someone else but there's benefits that can come from that you learn what it is to make somebody else feel like they're part of your family all right and and that's a beautiful thing and if you look at it it's i always say this to people if you like go to your job for example and somebody can't look at you like their child or the sibling or their parent if they don't look at you as some family member, then, you know, that relationship may be limited. There's always an element where somebody looks at you as a family member. I find that at jobs where they could give you that grace and they can have that patience and they want to teach you and they want to see you grow and succeed. And you learn that with extended family. So there you have it. Family, hard work, parents, siblings, children, extended family. You can learn a lot from all of it. Having a family is not easy, but if you put the effort in there, I promise you the fruits of your labor will show in some respect. Now, we also have friendship hard work, all right? And anytime it comes to friendship, just know that the work you put in, it will help you to choose who will and who will not help you grow into your best self. That's what comes from friendship hard work. People think that, oh, we have friends, it's going to last forever. That's not necessarily the case. It's all about the lessons you can learn from friendship. So the first thing being learning the difference between a friend and a foe. Now, some of us may think that everyone's our friend. But as soon as we get out of kindergarten, somebody just said hi to it isn't necessarily a friend. There's a base level of commitment that is there. And you can listen to my filter and friendships episode for my talk it out Thursdays. That's a great reference point for you to determine what type of friend that person is or whether or not they're friends to even begin with or just an associate um, or a confidant or, you know, you guys have to know the difference. As your parents may have said, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Your friends represent you as well. They give you, they are somebody that represents the values that you have. So if they're out there shooting and robbing people in the streets, what is that going to say about you? Whether you like to believe it or not. If they're disrespecting the teacher in school and getting bad grades in school and you bring them home to your parents and they say, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. And they're like, is that what you do? You can't get upset for them questioning you about that because that's what it comes down to. And it's not easy. Filtering friends is not easy. Determine who's a great, who's a friend and who's not. It's not easy. And sometimes there's a lot of heartbreak that happens throughout friendships. 
those are true relationships you're trying to form. Those are your family outside of your family, guys, your chosen family. Because now, instead of your family you're being born into, a lot of these friends are who you choose to be a part of your life. So when you're doing the hard work of trying to be a friend and you're putting work in, in that friendship and you're getting to know the person um, over time and you're paying attention to their needs and you guys are having conversations, you just think you're just having conversations is nothing, but you're forming a friendship when you get on the phone with that friend or you shoot them a text. When you choose to socialize with that individual. And you also know what it is when somebody just using you, perhaps. You're like, this person's not my friend. They just want to use me for a ride. Or they just want to use me, you know, because I get a lot of attention and they want that attention in school. Because a lot of guys like me, they, they want to be around me. Or a lot of girls like me, they want to be around me. Or because, you know, I'm captain of the football team. Or I get a lot of notoriety. Or I have a lot of money and I, I give them money every time I go to the store. And that's not to say that you're useful to each other, all right? People are going to use you to some degrees, but it's how they go about the use. And everyone's useful to some somebody else, you know? But it's, it's, if the extended relationship is based on what you can do for them, then you know that's not healthy. That's a foe right there. Or somebody who's pretending to be a friend just to get information out of you. That happens. It gets a little grimy over the years, but... When you put the work in to at least try to be a friend, then you, you're going to it's going to result in you learning something and learning who's good for you, and learning who's not. All right. You can learn about betrayal and friendships. That's just part of it. All right. And, and that's why I go to my next part. Sometimes friends grow apart. Growing apart is a part of friendship. But you also learn that it's a, not only is it a part of everyday friendships, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is bad if this occurs. Certain people grow apart because they may get in a serious relationship and that serious relationship may lead to a marriage and children. And your time gets so occupied that you might only that person may only socialize with someone who's in a similar predicament with a family and children or similar religious faith. And you grow apart because you may be in a stage in life where you're going out and partying because you can. You're a young professional with no kids and it's just a different lifestyle that you're living. And I'm not saying the two can't work, but keep in mind that this is just a natural occurrence in life. Certain people might get a certain level of education and they might go they're going to school to literally become a physician. They get in the MD. And then you have somebody else who's probably still in the same neighborhood in which you grew up in. And let's say it's not a good neighborhood or whether it is or not, they probably might be doing something um, that might be more blue collar or they might, you know, just be a teacher in the community and so busy and swapped up in work, your guys' lifestyles are a lot different. You're going to conferences across the world. This person is getting more involved in the community that they're working in. It's just a different lifestyle. And so you grow apart. Or you're both just so busy that you don't have time to hang out with each other. And then that friendship ends once you guys graduate high school or graduate college. Or after you left the job, you both worked at. But know that that person not necessarily a bad person, and neither are you, because you'll both be guilty. But it also shows you, too, that if you do grow apart, that it requires work ethic for that friendship to remain. And that's what people forget. Everything requires effort. Friendship, relationships, you know, any, you know, uh, um, go, building a network with coworkers, everything requires a level of effort. But you do not have to do everything. But just understand that the effects are real. And you have to be okay with some of that. You have to sacrifice certain friendships to be able to be able to move forward with your life. And other ones you definitely want to hold on to so that when you do move forward in life, you still understand who you are, or at least somebody's there to understand you or remind you of that.
And then finally, there's forgiving friends, all right? You learn that a healthy part of friendship is forgiveness because no friend in the world, including me, anyone else, no one is perfect. No friend, and, and more importantly, no friend can fulfill all parts of your ideal friend. When I say ideal friend, some of us have this mentality or this idea in our mind about what a perfect friend is. And you could tell a friend what your needs are, but it doesn't mean they're going to fulfill every one of them. But if they fulfill 80% of them, is that not a good friend? Especially the most critical aspects of your of the of what you uh, choose to be, a, uh, what you require of a friendship. So think about that for a second, and know that if you put the effort in into being a friend to someone and letting someone be a friend to you, and going through experience of friendships, it's never time wasted. Even if things that that friendship doesn't last, because people forget that even if you're no longer friends with someone, in a certain moment you needed that friend. You may have only been friends with someone in a particular situation, right? You know, and it was a true, genuine friendship. It wasn't just because of the situation, but the situation formed the friendship. But at that point in your life, you needed that friend. But as you grow in life, certain friends grow with you and other ones don't. And that's okay. But don't diminish the value of that person in that moment that they were. You know, so just understand friendship, hard work will help you choose who will grow until you're the best version of yourself? Because those ones who will are going to be the ones who are going to last. And even if they don't, they help you get to the place that you needed to be. Your friends could be in there for a season or for a reason that's everlasting. All right. And that's friendship hard work for you. The next thing is, and it could be could get a bit controversial, educational hard work. And the one thing I want to say here is that through educational hard work, you learn that no knowledge gained is ever wasted. But more importantly, even though it often does does lead to monetary gain, that is not always its greatest benefit. All right. So the first thing is the basis of education. Education is more than just formal education. It is simply learning a skill, concept or action and applying it through practice. You get education on, you know, how to do math just as much as you get education on how to work at a corner store and do the math there. You know, you might get education on how to fix car ties, but the whole point of it is that it doesn't have to be formal. And if you put effort in anything and you've watched something, you observe it long enough and you and you act as a true apprentice, there's anything you can learn. That's one of the first lessons. When you put effort into receiving education on anything, you you are able to put into practice and do it yourself. All right. That's like a Montessori school where they have kids do things on their own. That's a form of education. Outside of just the arithmetic, reading and everything else, it's just following by trying over and over again and put into practice. All right. So just understand when you put the effort in, in terms of learning something and you're a true observer. That's the first that's the foundation of most education. All right. The next thing is it does pay eventually. All right. And this is can be formal education or cannot. But the whole point is, if it happens to be formal education, it can pay off in monetary dividends. Even if not today, it can happen years from now. All right. In my experience, this happens even with lawyers, doctors and many business and finance professionals who become partners, lead surgeons or oversee a hospital or C-suite level executives. Many people get upset that their educational qualifications do not lead to six figure jobs out the gate. But that is very naive for people to think in such a way, all right? Even with entrep entrepreneurs, they don't make millions of dollars off the gate. They work their way up. 
If you're a music artist and you drop your first album, that rap album ain't blowing up now. But the next, the the one four, four hours from now might, and then you're a millionaire. All right. But often it pays off, right? When with any kind of education, right? Especially the formal one. Years later, and, and for people who are like prof- true, you know, professionals, things of that nature, or working in corporate America, often your formal education p- pays off in your mid forties. All right, which is a time I think is very convenient. That's when people need mo- money the most for college tuition for their children, or for ailing pa- ailing parents who need um, financial subsistence. Or simply to live a decent middle class lifestyle in a decent and safe neighborhood. All right. But the whole point is that you have to remain patient to see the results. You can't expect to get paid right out the gate. Many dentists go into debt and then years later they own their own practice and they're well off. You know, many people get hired to a new company that pays very well simply because of all the experience plus what? Their credentials, which get them in the door. So you might think, oh, I got this degree. It's not going to pay off. Sometimes that degree is what makes people hire you sometimes. They're like, we need somebody with this actual credential. It's required. And you have that. You know, if you're, you know, if you're not a lawyer through formal education, you cannot be a judge. You need that. You need that law degree. Same as a lead MD or hospital administrator. You have to have the credentials. And in some cases, education can make you stand out in finance or business to get hired into select roles. You want to lead an investment bank, they're going to see that they got to see that credential. They want that degree in a Series 7 and 63. All right. So understand that what you're doing now is a long term investment and people forget that a lot of times. Education pays off not now, but in the long term. Next thing is the network of people and friendships. People forget that school whether, you know, if you put the effort to go into school, that is where we make long lasting friendships. All right. Because school is more than just school. It's a lot of things outside of it. We even have relationships that turn to marriages. I have a friend who recently got engaged. Shouts out to him. And I had another friend that got married last year to people they met in college. We make connections also with alumni who can help us get into the door of a job opportunity. Or maybe you have a roommate who starts their own company and wants to hire you. Maybe you were roommates with someone for a year who taught you how to drive or cook or swim or how to drink responsibly or simply how to get out your comfort zone and have fun at a frat party. What I'm basically saying is that it is limitless how much your relationships throughout your educational experiences can positively impact your life. All right. I have a friend who I will have known for 20 years by the fall of 2022. We met each other in our fourth grade class. All right. There's another friend I have who I met in fifth grade. I also have friends who I met since freshman year of college, and now it's been a little over a decade. All right. Educational institutions are literally a playground to create fulfilling relationships. So do not underestimate the impact your experience has had on you, on you even despite all the student loans you may have taken now. But why? Because certain relationships are priceless. All right. So you put the effort in to get yourself into school and build and, and, and doing the networking. Guys, a lot of good things could come out of that. That mean more than just money. And finally, you never know when you need it. All right. Sometimes the little things you learn from going to that class every single day, waking up seven o'clock so you could be there by nine thirty a.m. Sometimes those little things you learn help you when you need it the most. All right. You may be at a job interview and a hiring manager brings up a geographic area of a project they are working on. And then that one geography class you took helps you give a great answer. And then that's your goal and take it to a new job. You might have even studied the quote-unquote worthless majors, 
but maybe that gender and sexuality class can help you bridge the gaps in the diversity, equity, and inclusion policies at your company. And next you know you're the director of DEI at whatever organization you're working for. Or maybe your child, your child is struggling with trauma, and that's when the lessons you learn from your social work courses can assist, assist with you helping your child. So what I'm saying is don't underestimate when and where you'll ever apply any of the multitude of things you learn while getting an education. All right. Whether that be a formal education or not formal education. So there you have it. Educational hard work. Then we have employer hard work. All right. And here with employers, you learn that a dollar can come now or later if you're patient and diligent enough. All right. So the first thing, though, I like to point out that you gain from hard work with an employee is work ethic. All right. Sometimes it's not until your first job, you know what it is to really get up early in the morning and go to sleep later than you prefer to. All right. On top of having a family and other obligations, you also learn how to balance a busy schedule. People forget that, you know, and that's why when certain people come from certain industries that are so tough, let's say they're an investment banker and they have a family. Oh, my goodness, your time is limited and you're, you might be tired more often. But you also learn how to prioritize your schedule. You might be a very organized person compared to the average business professional because your job is that much more demanding. And so for you to get hired at another organization is a lot easier. So any job that requires you to work hard, maybe work up, wake up extra early, that's demanding. Once projects done in a more strict, uh, strictly time basis, that work ethic will never go down the drain. Because even if your job now may not appreciate it, boy, will some other jobs will, all right? Because they'll say, wow, this person knows what it is to always be prepared, always be organized, or always on time, can always make a schedule work and be flexible and fit a lot of projects into an Outlook calendar and get it done within a certain time period. I'm very impressed with this individual. But you learn that through an employee that require that of you, all right? So that demand for you to work hard, man, that's why the vacation for those that work hard feels so much more better because they know what it is to put the work in. But if you're not working hard, you're not going to even feel the difference between working hard and going on vacation because you were tired the whole time, you know, and you might never put that much effort in. But like I said, it teaches you work ethic and that work ethic doesn't die. It fits into other parts of your life. You work hard in a lot of other things you do because you learn it through your employer. All right. The next thing is qualifications um, and job application. You become familiar with that process. So people think that employer hard work is once you're on the job, which for the most part it is, but it's also getting the job. It's not easy. So going through the qualification and job application process, you become familiar with that. And you know, you learn that process inside out. So if you don't have that opportunity at one organization or one company or one firm, you get it at the other. Because you've been through the rounds already. You know how that process goes. And because you learn, because it was that much harder for you to get a certain, to get a job. And that has happened with people who are applying for competitive jobs or who are underqualified on paper and eventually get a job. Because of that, you're more than likely up for a promotion or growth within the company. Because you know what it is to really put your best foot forward just to get in the door of a company. All right. So you know what it is to stick through the fire because you stuck through the fire with trying to get the job in the first place. So when a company's going through restructuring and they're putting more work on your desk, you're not giving up because you know what it is to have gotten that job in the first place. It was a lot. And you don't want to go through that again. 
So there's promotion and growth that can happen because you are able to thrive through the qualification and job application process. You learn patience through that. You, you learn what it is to hold on. The next thing you, you learn as well is skill and business acumen experience. And even if, you're, and even if your employer does not value this within you, it does not mean another employer won't. And that's why I tell people, if you get your like series license or some other kind of license, your, your CPA, CFA, you know, or you get another degree that an employer pays for. Even if your division within that company doesn't notice it, doesn't mean someone else within a different division um, won't either. They may look at it and say, wow, this person has all the qualifications that we're looking for. So in all those skills you're learning, trust me. You could put that on your resume and a lot of people will find that useful. A lot of recruiters, you know, and that could be you growing within that organ. You you're, have a job from another organization and then your company sees that and they match you. That way you don't have to switch jobs, but they say that you have the ability too. So if you put work, a lot of work into the job that you do every day, I promise you a business acumen and other skills are going to come out of that. The others will find valuable. So don't ever go to work and thinking that it's, it's pointless. And if it is, go somewhere where you will feel motivated to do the work so that you can work, walk away from some skill sets and business acumen and other social skills as well. And then finally, you develop a powerful network of professionals. So every time you get up and go to the office every day, even if you dread it, you just being there every morning, somebody's going to know your face. And that can help you in terms of, hey, when you want to move on to other job opportunities, they recognize who you are. So don't ever think that the work that you put in with your employer is going to go to waste because you never know who's watching and you never know what you can gain in terms of your experience, which can help you lead to a higher paying job and a completely different lifestyle. So there you have it. Employer hard work. Now, like many of you have been waiting for, there's also relationship hard work. And the one thing I want you to understand here is that you need to understand that this is not a risk-free invest- investment, all right? That's the first lesson when it comes to a relationship hard work. It's all risk. And putting your heart on the line is the scariest thing in the world. And I know people used to make songs about it. Not people, but rather celebrities make songs about it. But the pain that they sing about, it, it's real, <laughs> you know? I've experienced these things myself. Um, believe it or not, men... We have emotions here. <laughs> um, we get hurt too. Um, but no, no, I'm just kidding with you. But everybody goes through this, you know, and it's a scary thing, you know, but you have to put the work in or else you're not going to know what it is to be in a relationship. You can't avoid it your whole life. You can't stand on the sidelines. You got to get into the field. You got to play the game. You got to play the game of Cupid, guys. And the first thing I like to say is that you have to have the right standards in place. All right. And this goes back to... Um, the, the parenting aspect of things. Sometimes you, you learn from your parents. And some of us, unfortunately, we don't have parents who probably have the best relation, examples of relationships, at least relationships we like to be in. And and then we kind of, we're at a standstill. So you got to do some of the work in terms of finding out what those standards should be. And sometimes that happens through trial and error. You go ahead and you date someone. Let's say you start dating someone for the first time or the, the first person you have a date rather was at 17. That's that's the beginning of your Cupid game. For certain people, that happened at 13. Certain people at 14. They call it puppy love. But I know some serious relationships that existed back then. All right. But 
you have to know know what kind of standards you want in place. All right. You have to know what's acceptable and what's not. You have to know what you want from a partner, what your needs are. Everybody has needs when it comes to relationship and whether those needs are healthy or not. I mean, we can address that a little bit um, in terms of the mental health hard work. But the whole point of it is you have to have standards for a relationship because you can't get in a relationship with just anyone, especially the older you get and the more liabilities that you may have. And that goes right into choosing a compatible partner. All right. If you have the right standards in place, that's the first base element of everything because it shares, it comes to values. Now, when you choose a compatible partner, values is definitely an element of it, but it's more than just values. It's also whether or not you and that person get along and feel right for each other. So like when it comes to like online dating, for example, some of us may feel like someone's great on paper or digitally. They have the pictures that shows the body type we like, the face we like, you know, they've been to certain places, they're answering questions the right way, but it's not until you interact with that person that you start to notice that, okay, this person is really cool in person too, you know, or they're a little bit awkward or they're a little bit standoffish. And I've been on four dates with them and it's still, it's still awkward the way we interact. This person is, is too introvert for me. This person is too extrovert for me. This person is too overbearing. This person is too needy. You know, it's, a compatible partner, understanding what that is, you have to go through relationships to see what works for you and what doesn't. And you want people who, who are definitely similar to you more than you like to think, all right? Because you're going to make a lot of decisions in life. And if you have a partner, they're going to be involved in those decisions. But also, it's okay to understand that having a compatible partner doesn't mean somebody's 100% like you. They may have their differences, and you're going to learn to respect that. And you might not learn that in the first relationship, which led to your breakup. You were frustrated and you didn't understand what it is to allow somebody to just be themselves. But then it's all part of the learning process. All right. That's just part, a way of uh, a part of life when it comes to relationships. Another aspect of relationship hard work is choosing a partner for the long term. All right. So you had to stand as you found a compatible partner. But now you might get to a point where you want someone for a long term. And that could be relative to the stage that you're at in your life. Long term in high school could be anything over five months. Long term in the real world might be five years or longer. All right. So it's all relative. But, you know, I'm also going to like serious relationships where it's going to probably lead to something either marriage or something similar to marriage where you're in long term. So when you're choosing that partner for the long term, you have to learn about the red flags, what to stay away from and noticing people to be like, all right, this person no good. But you also need to learn about the green flags, the things that indicate, oh, this person did this. It's a check mark for me. That's something that I want. You also have to learn to have boundaries. All right. You have to learn when it's like, OK, you, you, you I can't have you over my house every day or I don't want to call you every day or FaceTime you every day. or I don't want to text you every day. And you have to explain that. And they have to respect those boundaries or I don't want to have sex yet. It's a big one. And if they don't respect those boundaries, that's something that might not work out best for the long term, especially if it's something that they're not working on changing. And then you have to learn to be vulnerable, too. You can't have boundaries everywhere to the point that person cannot get close to you. That means that you have your walls up. And because you can't learn to be vulnerable. What's the point of that relationship? It's not going to lead anywhere. That's a friends with benefits situation. If anything, you don't want to get too close. Well, you have to put your emotions on the line, guys. 
All right. That's just a part of relationships. And that's why I said the hard work that you put into it, you will learn what it is to be vulnerable and importance behind it and learn what it is to get comfortable doing that. All right. So when you choose a partner for the long term, there's a lot of work in terms of what you need to pay attention to. And you can learn from that. And like I said, if you haven't learned from a previous relationship with boundaries, being vulnerable to green flags and red flags, you may learn for the other until you finally get it. And the next thing is managing pitfalls in relationships, including breakups. All right. So you may have a broken heart. You might be dealing with jealousy because that person rebounded real quick and got somebody new. Or you might be dealing with betrayal. You probably got cheated on. And it hurts that much more the more serious it is in the stage of your life you're in. You're 40 years old and your partner cheats on you. They've been having a whole affair for two years and leads to a divorce. That's a pitfall in a relationship. And you might be able, you might just have to break up with them. Or you might learn what it is to stay with that person. You know, people could break your heart and you could still be with that person and mend your heart. Or you might get a broken heart and that could be the end of it. You know, but you got to learn how to deal with that on your own. And trust me, sometimes it's not even like the person did something wrong. It's just that you guys weren't compatible, but you got so vested in each other. I've been down that path where I got so vested in people and then all of a sudden it didn't work out. And it's devastating, guys. It really is. It's like, oh, sh-. I remember that happened one time I was in college. I'm like, oh, damn, this is what it feels like. Mind you, I didn't even actually get in a full relationship with the person I had dealt with in the past, but it felt that way, you know, because of. The elements of relationship that were involved with that person. All right. So you have to learn when you put the work into a relationship and you go through all the motions, even if it hurts. You're going to know what it is to deal with a broken heart and to deal with jealousy and betrayal. A lot of people don't know what to deal with that. I know this one guy in this Long Island. He ended up killing another guy because he was dealing with a girl who he hadn't got over, but she got over him. I, and to be honest with you, a lot of guys have dealt with that pain. I know one guy at the school I went to, he ended up killing his girlfriend, and it's terrible. But I would say that's where you want to put the relationship into the work early, but also understand you can get out of it. Get out of those pitfalls, you know, because get off. My thing is this. It's like fail fast. I know if many of you have heard that concept when it comes to agile and a lot of other things, but fail fast so you can get over it. Fail fast. Put yourself out there, you know. Be smart about it, but sooner than later, so that your first heartbreak isn't at 30. It's already happened at 18. You know what it is to deal with it. While you're young, you could be vulnerable that much more. And then finally, this leads into my last point is when you put work into your relationship, whether it works or whether it doesn't, you can also learn what it is to move on from previous relationships. You know, in other words, you must learn to heal from any relationship in the past even if it requires professional counseling, don't ever be ashamed to get therapy if you need it, all right? It affects us differently. A relationship that we form that's intimate, that can stem a lot from the relationships we have with our parents, which can be, which is the base of a lot of trauma, you know? The one thing I learned is that you do not take relationships too seriously, though, all right? That's another thing, too, all right? Especially while you are very young. But this does not mean that you take it for granted, but know that if something does not work out, it does not mean it's the end of the world. And as you get older, this will change. But the older you get, hopefully you are more mature and know how to choose a better partner that can yield the outcomes you desire. But the whole point is that we must 
all learn to heal so we can be optimistic about love and relationships coming to our life again. Because there's times people have been closed off, you know, and I've been on both ends of that where the person I was dealing with was closed off or maybe they just honestly didn't like me like that. But also there's times where I've been closed off and I'm like, no, I'm not like that. But I was. I was. I was emotionally hurt and I was just like, nah, I'm not letting nobody get close to me. But no, you got to learn this to move past whatever trauma you experienced in relationships and prior to relationships you got into and be able to move forward. Because like I said, being vulnerable is an element of relationships. You know, I know this is not easy, but no one ever said it would be, which is why I said relationship hard work is not a risk-free investment. You're putting your heart on the line. But the benefits, boy, the benefits you can learn from relationships will teach you what it is to be a human being. All right. So there you have it. Relationship hard work. Now we have spiritual hard work. All right, guys. And this is very important. But I'll get straight to these points because it's simple. But the big thing I want to point out here is that with spiritual hard work, you learn that reassessing your life based on your faith will give you peace like no other. Like I know people here like I found God, I found peace, but it's true. All right. I've experienced that myself. It just it just gives you a sense of calmness. All right. Funny thing, when I was in college, I was studying um, the Bible with uh, these uh, uh, two Christian individuals who were part of the Jehovah Witness uh, denomination. And they, they, he made a point with the Bible. He said this to me. He said, Tyron, don't look at the Bible like it's trying to prevent you from having a good life. The Bible is there to protect you. And boy, did I switch my perspective on things. All right. Whether you believe in Christianity or not, or have faith in any organized religion or not. The point I'm trying to make here, though, is that there's a, lot, a certain level of perspective that that a lot of these uh, religious faiths can give you. And a lot of it does bring peace. When I looked at it like that, I was like, wow, yeah, maybe I should slow down. Because I was, I was trying to live like a rolling stone at a certain point in college. And best believe I found myself in trouble many of those times. But when I slowed down and he told me that, I said, wow, OK, let me pay attention. So the first thing is choosing a faith. So choosing a faith that you feel comfortable with. Certain people might be an organized religion. Certain people, they might believe in something spiritual, right? And other people just might be in something higher than them. But I, And that's what I come from. I, I always recommend believing something higher than you. Because a lot of us think the world revolves around us. But it's like, no. The world revolves, revolves around a bunch of different people. And not just people. The, it, it, the, the world is inclusive of so many things. So many living, breathing organisms. And we have to be mindful of that. That's going to allow us to extend grace to each other. You know, so choose something that you could wake up to and, and say, okay, I could pray to this. Or I believe in this. Or this is something I could keep near and dear to my heart. Especially in the lowest of times. And that's one thing the individual taught me too, who was, um, um, who was teaching me about the Bible. He said, Tyron, the, the Bible, like Christian faith is there. For when you feel like you have nothing left in you. It's a crutch. It's an intended crutch. And it's okay. Sometimes, you know, they say, give it up to God. I really believe that. Because certain things we can't all manage on our own. All right? So choose something where you can really have faith in and believe in. And which leads to my next point. Something where you can follow through with your faith to the point it impacts your lifestyle. All right? That is a true definition of the spiritual hard work when you start making lifestyle changes. 
And someone may, may knock you for this, but like even some of us brothers, oh, I, I want to be celibate. Do that. You know, I got to a point where I was just like, I felt like I was just like, you know, they teach you to get promiscuous, just you're a guy, go out there. And some of it is fun sometimes. It's just a part of what you want to do. But other times, like, especially at this age, I'm like, okay, I, I'm slowing down. I do not want to just be sleeping around with a bunch of different women. I want to chill. It's something beautiful about simplicity the older you get. And honestly, when I do that, a lot of spiritual hard work, that show me that. There is something amazing about simplicity. It's something very peaceful about it. One significant, one significant other that you're faithful to, you know, your own space. You live in, you, they said cleansiness is next to godliness, and I believe that. You feel at peace as just you. You know, you, you know Dave Ramsey, who is a Christian um, financial literacy guru, he talks about, you know, in the Bible, he talking about debtor slave to the um, lender. So don't get yourself in debt. Man, Thomas advice. But when you follow through with that faith and impacts your lifestyle, you will find peace, guys. I promise you that. Like when I choose to meditate or, you know, pray, that feels good. It feels good. I don't ever feel wrong stepping into a church and talking with somebody. It's just sometimes you want to listen to the word because, you know, especially if you have somebody who's really talking on a very ground level. Oh, man, it touches the soul in a different way. You know, you look at where are the good people at, you know, some there are some bad people who may be in the church, but there's also a lot of good people. You know, and that's why I say follow through with your faith to the point it impacts your lifestyle. Do the work because it will impact your lifestyle and it will benefit you. And then finally, reinforce your faith through your own family. You know, if you have a family of your own, you do the same thing. You have the right to lead your own family that you create. Or even to the family that you were born into. Because when everything fails, that's the only thing you can probably hold on to. So the spiritual hard work, guys, is never a waste of time. Like I said, it gives you peace like no other. All right? And if you believe in something higher and greater than yourself, you'll be a lot more gentle to the world. All right? So there you have it. Spiritual hard work. And now we have physique hard work. Yes, that's regarding your physical physique, your body. And here you learn that your health consciousness motivates you to do better in all aspects of your life. All right. So the first and most important thing about your physique is that you're choosing a healthy, healthier lifestyle. And when you choose a healthier lifestyle in one respect, you're going to choose healthier lifestyle in other respects, guys. That's just how it is. You know, just like toxic behavior leads to more toxic behavior. Good conscious behavior leads to more good conscious behavior. So I know with me, right, I'm somebody who, you know, I, I stay in shape from running uh, track when I was younger and doing cross country and a lot, of, a lot of other physical activities. I play basketball, all the things that kept me in shape. When I recognized that I was gaining a little bit of weight, like in college, right, I took my I took myself to the gym because that's what I knew best. And people were like, wow, you're, you're ripped. You always stay in shape. But it was like, no, I need this. When I was feeling depressed at certain times when I was in college. Because I guess that's the upstate New York weather for you, all right? I love Binghamton to some degree and other degrees. I didn't like it because it was too too low in the degrees, you get me? It was always sometimes cold there, cloudy, raining. And then you had all the schoolwork to do. But I would feel down depressed at times. And I went to the gym and that uplifted me again. 
I noticed that it was affecting my mental health when I took care of my body. And so I became more cognizant of that too. I didn't want to engage in a, with too much alcohol or the other things that were available on campus because I know that I want to keep myself in good physical shape, you know? So when people, you know, they, they certain people go to the doctor and they recognize that they may be uh, susceptible to diabetes and they get themselves together in shape. That's happened with people that I know and it's amazing. They're even in better shape than I am, way better shape. And I had, and not to say that I'm the most in shape person in the world, but despite the fact that I had that foundation for of running track and cross country and basketball and all these other physical activities, that person was motivated for a greater purpose, which is their life. All right. They didn't want to have that going on with them. And so that's why I say when you choose to be healthy in one respect, it's going to change other aspects of your life. It choo- you choose in a healthier lifestyle. You're conscious of that, you know, and even recently I was gaining a lot of weight and um, going up to like 210. Now I'm, I'm like 15 pounds lighter than that. Um, but I had to be conscious of that. I stepped on the scale. I looked in the mirror. I was trying to squeeze a six pack. I saw my stomach hanging. I'm like, no, I'm better than this. I'm better than making these decisions and eating this food. I switched up my whole entire diet. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I was, I, I was at the cardiologist today and, you know, they were just doing a stress test and they were like, you know, you're fine. They thought they heard a heart murmur and whatnot, but they were just like, you know, make sure you stay away from certain foods. Don't take too much supplements, but don't like eat too much meats, right? Limit how much meat intake you have and, you know, all the additives. And I pay attention to that, you know? And then when you take care of your health, your body, you probably want to you probably feel more comfortable going to the doctor. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's changing your whole lifestyle. The next thing is that I mentioned is the diet, what you put into your body. You'd be surprised what the little what, what a shift in diet even slightly can do for you. Like me, I don't engage with soda. <laughs> I don't soda. No, ginger ale. I do that once in a while, but for the most part, I'm drinking water. Water, water, water. And I'm drinking like 100% juices. And I'm not talking about the sugar football. I'm talking about the, the celery juices, you know, the celery spinach kind of juice and kale juices. The ones that people are like, ew, this is disgusting. No, I drink that. That's my vegetable intake. That shift in my diet is shed off the pounds, guys. I can run a lot faster and a lot better, you know. And people are like, oh, you're a bodybuilder sometimes. And that's not to toot my own horn, but it's just like, wow, I didn't know I was in that good of shape. I was just working. You know, and I'm just being health conscious of my diet. But what you put in your body affects you. It affects you when you go to work. And then the exercise, another aspect of it. When you get up and you want to and you choose to be active, that is saving your life. That is making you agile. That's making the blood flow through your body. That gets you going and willing to and, and ready to get up and go to work every day. If you have to, even if you work from home and you have and you go to the gym later, you just feel unstoppable, guys. It gives you energy. I do that. Sometimes I go to the gym at 8, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night and don't leave until 11. My body, I put all the effort I could out there and I feel great. So, guys, take care of yourself. Put the work in when it comes to your physique. Don't give up. Don't, don't get so comfortable. Like I want you to be comfortable in your body, but at the same time, I don't want you to just be comfortable where you're at. I want you to know that you can always do better. And once you... Like, there's levels we could take it to. And that's because other things drain us of energy. Sometimes it is hard work that drains us as, as energy. Or our lifestyle, we go to sleep too late. We're on our phones on Instagram. That happens with me sometimes. So 
I want you to be conscious of how you're treating your body. All right. You have to treat your body well. That is a reflection of you and how much you care about yourself. So there we have it. Physique, hard work. All right, guys. Health consciousness leads to more health consciousness and better behaviors. And last but not least, we have mental hard work. And guys, do I really have to tell you how important this is? All right. Mental hard work with your mental health. You learn to confront the deepest parts of yourself that others dare not. And as a result, you can make life-changing decisions for the better. Guys, I do not underestimate this impact. I've gone to therapy myself. And it has helped. You know, I found a, a black therapist through somebody. I was working at my job. And it's a, someone I became friends with who was a customer. Um, a client, rather, of my uh, company. And she recommended this therapist to me. You know, and I want us all to do that. You know, especially people of color. I mean, there's so much that we go through. And we underestimate how it's impacted us. And when you start to do the work and do the research, I, I recognize this, how much I was looking at other people's problems but neglecting my own. And so I, when, when I really did the, when I started doing the mental hard work, which I'm doing again now more recently, I start to see how much things I can work on myself. And the more I pay attention to myself, the less I focus on what problems other people have. And more importantly also, the more empathy I have towards other people because I understand there's a lot that we experience on this world. Regardless of skin color or anything, just, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And it's impacting us in ways we don't know. But when you confront that, and that is a big fear for a lot of people, and rightfully so. When you have to really look yourself in the mirror and see all those wounds, those scars, and things that need work, it's not easy at first, but it's necessary. And if you choose to make that courageous step, it will help a lot. By first, what? Becoming aware that you have traumas and turbulent emotions. We have that. A lot of us have traumas and we don't address it. We don't address it. We just keep it behind closed doors. We sweep it underneath the rug or we deny, deny, deny. Now, that's not to say that, like, you know, if someone accuses you of having trauma in certain respects or, you know, that that means it's true. But if you if you really take a step back and you have close friends that point certain things out to you, you may be dealing with certain trauma. If you have turbulent emotions or reactions to certain things. Guys, you're triggered for a reason. There may be some trauma there. Become aware of it. That's a lot of where the hard work comes into. A lot of you are like, oh, man, I have this and that issue. At least you're acknowledging that there is an issue. That's the first step, all right? And then next, the next step to that in terms of mental hard work and what can come from it is that you choose a therapist or counselor and follow through. You don't say, oh, I'm going to do this eventually. No, you do it and you follow through, you know? You deal with it head on. If you choose not to deal with it, you're going to make somebody else deal with it. You're going to force a partner to deal with it. You're going to force your family members to deal with it. You're going to force your friends to deal with it because you're mentioning all these problems to them when it's someone who's literally paid to do these things that your employer benefits can likely cover. Or in some cases, it can be free. So go ahead and choose that and follow through. Go to those appointments, every single one. That you can't afford to, you know, people think that's a waste of time. But when you fall through with it, you're going to learn that you're aware of your traumas. You're going to become aware of that much more. And, and, and that's not necessarily means it's a bad thing, but it's like it could explain a lot of why 
you react a certain way to certain situations or what you had pent up, built up in you. And then finally, the true hard work comes with applying therapy and counseling to your day-to-day routine. All right. So that might be a form of true coping and handling things might be meditation. I mean, the true result of that might be change behaviors because you you meditate, you understand certain things that bothered you that you let build up. You're able to see that's why you lashed out on your significant other. Or that's why you reacted that way and yelled at that person. And and also understand you can give yourself forgiveness because you understand that nobody's perfect. But when you do the mental hard work, it just makes you aware. And makes you aware of yourself and it makes and, and, and lets you know that you, you matter. You know how they say mind, body, and soul? The mind is the physique hard work, you know. The body is the physique is the physique hard work. The the um, soul is the spiritual hard work. The mind is the mental hard work. All right, mind, body, and soul. Your mind matters a lot. You know, it's really your mind can do so much for you. And having a peace of mind that can do wonders because you're clear. You don't feel so bothered by things or triggered by things. You can walk through the world with confidence. So the mental hard work, if you choose to go down that path, never fails. You know, even if you don't get to that step of therapy and counseling, if you're just at least aware of your traumas, guys, that's the first, that's a huge step. And then because you're aware, you might feel that much more motivated to take the next step. So guys, follow through. But if you put the, do the mental hard work, I promise you, it can change your life for the better because it has done that for me. So that being said, guys, if there's one thing I want you all to understand from today's episode, it is that hard work always pays off. It just takes perspective and also it takes time to see how it pays off. Hard work leads to many breakthroughs. All right. That can be a breakthrough in a character floor, which led to change actions. It can be a breakthrough in your physique with tangible results and weight change or and simply It changes your mindset towards health or it could be a breakthrough in terms of understanding that you have boundaries for yourself in a relationship that you want to follow moving forward. Whatever it is, the whole point is that the effects of hard work means that effort was put out into the universe. And because of that effort, it benefited you It may just take perspective or time to see how beneficial it has been for you. Sometimes God puts you through situations so you can learn how to deal with it in a more intense environment. Or perhaps help another person who is enduring a similar situation. There are countless videos of people who have gone to prison and at times wrongfully so. But because of the experience, we're able to connect with others in the same predicament. Sometimes the situation is not that extreme and you may simply have been that friend who also had your spouse cheat on you. And you are able to uplift the friend in in a similar situation. Maybe you are the first person to discuss going to therapy amongst your guy friends, which allows them to open up about their need for mental health. The whole point I want to make is that your hard work pays off for somebody somewhere. And so you should never discount your experience because nothing that requires effort is done in vain. I truly believe that all the work that you do can lead to great things. You just have to look at the bits and pieces that come with it and that come with that experience that you can apply to life and you can use, if not to help yourself, to help others. That said, I would like to thank you all for listening to today's episode. And please, as usual, continue to stay strong in America. Mm